There are many ways we could deal with what we're dealing with tonight. But we're going we're gonna to focus, if you will, on children. Go to 17 and verse 6. I'll say more about this in a little while. But in 17.6, it says, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. Psalm 127, verse 3 tells us that children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. It is an awesome privilege and a blessing to be given children by the Lord and to have opportunity to rear them for God's glory and God's service. Children are an heritage of the Lord. The Bible says the man is blessed who has his quiver full. But we understand this, and Proverbs is one of the best books available to man on childbirth. There are all kinds of books out there on how to rear children. But you'll never find better guidance and wisdom than you will right here. This is God's wisdom. And I just believe God knows what he's talking about. Much more than any author you ever read out. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some good helps in child rearing. And then there are some off-the-wall things written. As Christians, we've got to be very careful what we read in this matter of rearing children. Because we're accountable. You see, when God entrusts us with children, there's an expectation and a responsibility that comes along with them. Again, that's that we would raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I I guess I could say I wonder how many Christian parents are really fulfilling that? How many are really understanding the responsibility of raising their children 
of the Lord. You say, well, many, I would hope. But I know this, it's not all. Say amen. Not all folks who profess to know Christ as their Savior are carrying this responsibility as they ought. Now, as parents, we understand our children can bring glory on us or reproach on us. And it's going to be by the way our child lives, what kind of life they live. But we also understand this. You know, there's a poem out. I didn't bring it with me. But it says, children learn what they live and live what they learn. How, how children turn out, I don't want to say is always because of us, but much of the way a child turns out is going to be the influence of the parents. We'll talk a little more about that. Much of a child's doings are the direct outcome of how a parent trains, teaches, talks, and tells his child how to live. We're going to look at this word child or children. We could actually do a lot more if we included the word sons But we know that God has a special place in his heart, as Jesus demonstrated for children. Remember when his disciples were shooing the children away? And Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. So let's talk about children. Go to chapter 4. Verse 1. You know, something interesting about talking about children, we all are or have been there. None of us were born grown up. And many of us have raised children. Some are in the grandparent stage. And some of us have moved beyond that. Great-grandparents. Children, chapter 4, verse 1. Here's a word of wisdom. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to know understanding. When we see that word here as it's used in this particular verse, it actually comes in the form of a command. 
an action to be taken. And he's saying here, but he doesn't just mean to be in the presence where something comes in your ears. He, when he says here, it means to hear intelligently, to give attention to something. He says, hear ye children. By the way, that children is young folk. The instruction of a father. That instruction speaks of teaching. And it has the idea of a father teaching doctrine. But more than that, the instruction of a father is the father, remember in biblical times, the father was the head of the home, and the father was the one who ultimately had the responsibility of teaching the children. And so it was by him the children were taught doctrine. And by him the children would be reproved when they were doing wrong. It was by him the children would be warned. We talked about warnings, I think, the last time. And so... Solomon is saying here, hey, listen, you children, to the instruction, the teaching, the admonitions, the leadership of your father. And then he says, attend to no understanding. He's saying there, Perk up your ears, if you will. Pay attention so that you might gain understanding or wisdom. Okay, think with me now. Hey, remember school? Way back in the dark ages when you went to school, high school. How many of us ever walked into a class, sat through a whole class while the teacher taught, and when we came out, if somebody said, what did the teacher teach today? You had no clue. Now, technically, you heard everything that was said. It went in there but you didn't really hear it. You didn't hear it for the understanding. You didn't hear it for the knowledge. You didn't hear it for the wisdom. And so the warning here, if you will, the admonition here is, hey, young people, when your father's instructing you, pay attention. You know, it's not always true. But most of the time, 
A father has the child's best interest at heart when he's instructing. You got it? He's trying to help the child. So it's, it's so important that the child listen. Somebody said this. By the way, look at verse 2. It says, For I give you good doctrine, forsaking not my law. And I think that's where that comes in, that he has the student, his children's best interest in all. Somebody said these verses, verses 1 and 2, ring with authority. Almost to jar the ears of us moderns. That's us. We are a part of a generation of whom it has been said, with a substantial dose of truth, ours may be the first generation in history that did not know how to raise its own young. We have tended in the decades immediately following World War II to doubt our traditional wisdom, to derive our approaches to child training from experts who were much more permissive than our instincts prompted us to be, or even to delegate much more of our parental responsibility to outsiders in the schools and daycare centers in our land. <clears throat> Look at 5, verse 7. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Look at 724. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Something that occurred to me as I'm looking at this now, we're talking over 2,000 years ago, right? We're talking Old Testament. If Schofield is right in his notes, we're talking 1,000 B.C. Isn't it interesting that all the way back then, we have this admonition to children to listen to their father. That means it's been 3,000 years and that hadn't changed. What do you mean it hadn't changed? Children just don't want to listen to parents. Those of us who have raised youngsters to adulthood, 
know that there comes a point in a child's life where they figure mom and dad don't know anything. They have this idea, they have all the answers. You know, it's a different generation, it's a different age, it's different technology, blah, blah, blah. Listen, friend, the principles and precepts of this book are not subject to time. They were good when they were written 3,000 years ago, and they're good today. And children ought to listen when their parents are trying to teach them. And I think, I think there's a point there that children are being instructed to listen to your father, not to other voices. Now, this is especially important today. Because there are so many other voices speaking to our children. They need to understand mom and dad's voice is number one. Well, God's voice is number one. But in this sense, mom and dad, that's who I listen to. Look at 832. Now, therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Listen to me, hearken, and obey me. Obey what I'm teaching you and all that I've taught you because then you will have a blessed life. And that has the idea of happy and successful life. And it's so sad that today, most parents are too busy to teach and train their children. Instead, and, and we've We've generated this culture, this way of thinking. The parents have children, and you send them off to daycare until they can go to school. And then they go to school until they can go to college, and then they go to college. And they get all their teaching there. I just make sure they have a roof over their head, food on the table, um, provide the money, et cetera, et cetera. I've said it many times, I'll say it again. Our public education system is no longer educating. They're indoctrinating. Hmm. 
If you don't believe me, check into what's been being taught. I'm very saddened that young people today do not learn the history that I learned. Matter of fact, there's a movement in our country to erase the history I learned. Well, that's all part of a plan and program that's been coming through government education for probably 50, 60 years. You see, the socialists, the communists, the liberals know in order to change the culture of our country, you've got to capture the minds of the young people. Listen, they're not going to change our minds. Hello? We're set. We pretty much know what we believe and why we believe it and how we think things ought to be. We have ourselves set. But see, young people don't have that. I call them mushheads. They come in empty. Now somebody's going to fill that head up. What are they getting their heads filled with? Evolution? That America is a bad country? That socialism is a much better way? As I said, our history is wrong. That's not really the way things were. That actually America was a bad country. How about sex education? How about now they're teaching five and six-year-olds they can choose their gender. How did we get here? Through the indoctrination. Have you ever wondered why the younger generation accepts a lot of these things? We would have never accepted those kind of things. That's what they've been taught. And it goes right up, right up to the college. I said there are many voices speaking to our young people. And unfortunately, a lot of parents just hand them over. Education system, internet. How many parents give their kids a computer and turn them loose? 
You know how many, how, how much information is out there on the internet that's not good? I didn't look it up, so rest easy. But I've been told you could find how to build an atom bomb on the internet. Now, I'm not saying the internet is totally evil. We all use it. But it's like anything else. It's like your television. It's like your radio. It's like anything else. There's got to be control. Once again, how many parents turn their children loose on the internet? I would never do that. Well, I'm glad you wouldn't, but many just don't care, I guess. I'm all on one week ago. How about the influence of Hollywood? Our kids want to watch movies. Okay. Most of the movies come out of Hollywood. They're supposed to be for entertainment, and some of them are. But how many of them have behind the scenes indoctrination into their way of thinking? Sitcoms. I don't remember the last time I watched a sitcom on one of the major channels. I see the advertisements sometimes, and it seems like everyone is promoting homosexuality, fornication, adultery, uh, and on and on we could go. And what's that do to the minds of our young people? It says it's okay. We need to teach our young people, and we need to be careful who our young people are listening to. Well, it's getting quiet, so we'll go to another juicy one. Proverbs 22. Now, what I'm about to say, I, I'm not in your home to see your parental methods, but I'm going to tell you what God says. So don't get mad at me if you don't agree. You take it up with him. But let me remind you, and I figured this out a long time ago, he's a lot smarter than I am. Verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. My parents were not Christians. We didn't go to church. But my parents knew that. 
how do you know they knew it? Because they practiced it. Foolishness. I looked it up. It's the unawareness or lack of social norms which cause offense and annoyance or trouble. Foolishness, as it's used here, represents improper behavior or misbehavior. And every one of us knows what that foolishness is all about. How many times have I said, God gave children to parents because children have no sense? I'm not being offensive. Kids do stupid things. Because they're kids. They do annoying things. They do wrong things. Foolishness. By the way, not that we give license, but in a lot of ways, don't we expect that? If you expect your kids to be perfect, you're going to have a miserable time. The fact is, and we've all done this. Sometimes kids do stupid things, and we have to laugh. It's just, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> you know, how? But in that case, it's usually something that don't really hurt anybody. It's just stupid. But sometimes kids do things and act in ways that aren't appropriate and need to be dealt with. Because we know if they continue in that vein, ultimately it's going to hurt them. Kid tells a lie. Did you eat those cookies? Uh-uh. The cookies were here, and you were the only one here. We didn't even have a dog. So where did those cookies go? I don't know. So now we have to deal with it. Not only did they disobey and eat the cookies, but now they're lying. And we know if they continue in that vein, ultimately it's going to hurt them. And there are many other instances where they've done stupid, foolish things. But when that happens, we have to handle it. And if it's serious enough, then it's time to apply the rod of reproof to the seed of knowledge. God says the rod of correction. 
shall drive it far from him. Okay, Sunday school class. Can we take that literally? Is there any reason not to take it literally? So God is saying corporal punishment needs to be applied when it's necessary. We call it spanking. How many of you have experienced spanking? Yeah. You know what? We'll see this in a minute. You live through it. The fact is this. You didn't like it, and it hurt. It's probably the best thing happened to you. How many of you, <laughs> I was thinking about this today. How many of you ever got a spanking in school? Yeah, in school. My first seven years in school, every teacher in every classroom had a paddle. And they used it. Even in high school. Now, I was too young to see it. I had brothers, though, that were in the high school. And they would come home and tell about the big football player who got caught doing something. And the teacher got him up front and said, bend over the desk. High school, big football player, got a spanking. Now, none of us are for child abuse. Say amen. I'm not for beating kids. But there's a way to spank, a time to spank, a frame of mind to have before you spank. It needs to be done appropriately. And by the way, there's a place to spank. What do you mean? God designed us in such a way that he designated a particular area with a little extra padding for spanking. It's called your backside. The seat of knowledge. I'm not for just slapping your kid upside the head or punching him or kicking him. I can't imagine a parent wanting to kick their child. That's inappropriate. Spanking, as I said, has to be with the right frame of mind. My advice is cool down. 
before you spank. We don't, we should never apply the rod in anger. That's not why we're supposed to discipline our children, because we're angry. Get even with them. The discipline is supposed to be correction. So when we spank, we ought to be in the right frame of mind, not angry. And the child needs to understand why. This is wrong. I can't let it continue. If I do, I really don't love you. The Bible says that because ultimately it's going to hurt you. Now, there are many today, matter of fact, most today, who are anti-corporal punishment. The big cry I hear is, well, violence only genders more violence. I'm not being violent. Nothing violent about it. It's discipline. And it's what God says has to happen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I know that in my life, I was disciplined for things that ultimately, if allowed to continue, would have hurt me. I didn't like it. It hurt. But I'm thankful that I had parents who understood there was times when I needed discipline. Probably kept me out of jail. Maybe even kept me alive. Certainly helped me to be a better citizen and person. John Phillips said this. Solomon's cure for misbehavior is out of favor with modern psychologists, sociologists, and humanists. But it is strongly recommended by the Holy Spirit. Solomon advocated the use of the rod of correction. That's corporal punishment. Accompanied by proper instruction. Somebody said, it communicates, I like this. Corporal punishment, it communicates swiftly and settles a problem in a hurry. The rod of correction must be wielded temperately and by a loving hand. But the rod must be wielded. We all know this saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. Go to 23. 13 and 14. I love verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child, 
For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Okay, class, look up here. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us have had to spank our children? And while we're doing it, it sounds like we're killing them. I'm sure you've had the experience. As I said, there's a position for spanking. That's to be on their knees, bent over something, with their hands under them so you don't hit their hands. But when you tell them, assume the position, before you ever raise the paddle, they're crying. And they begin to wail and scream. before you ever make the first hit. And what they're doing is trying to get to your heart so you think you're really hurting them so you'll quit. Well, the Bible says in verse 13, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with rod, he shall not die. Once again, we're not for abuse. We should not fall prey to their trickery. Don't stop at one swat because they're screaming and carrying on like you're going to kill them. Decide what's appropriate and stick to that. Don't overdo it. See, a lot of the spanking a lot of it's not just the pain. I mean, it does sting for a little while. And, and let me throw this at you. You should not be hitting hard enough to leave bruises. You just want them to make a little red. But when we, when we do this, we should decide what's appropriate. As I said, don't overdo it. And don't leave bruises and that kind of thing. Because a lot of what's going on here, there's a humiliation involved. If they're being spanked. So there's a mental thing as well as the physical thing. In verse 14 it says, Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Ooh. What does that mean? Well, think about this. 
Here's Solomon given a very serious thing to think about. If you discipline your child properly, and you raise your child under a firm and loving discipline by his parents, Ultimately, that child is going to be much more easily brought under the authority of God because they've learned to yield to the authority in the home. They understand there's a right and a wrong. And they're more apt to understand, just like mom and dad are the authority in the home, God's the authority in the world. And so I have to submit to the authority. See, there's a lot of young people today who think they're free spirits. And they shouldn't have to submit to anybody's authority. Somebody said this, a child needs to learn early in life that his or her will is not the controlling will of the world. See, a child shouldn't grow up thinking, I run everything. But some children do. Because at home, they run everything. They call the shots. They tell mom and dad what's going to happen. So that's the way they think their world ought to be. A child needs to learn he or she cannot have everything they want. Nor can they always have their own way. Again, we've all had the experience at the Walmart or the Giant or wherever at the checkout line. When the little darling wants the candy that's right there and mom says no. And the war starts. And you can hear that kid all over the store. And all too often, sadly, what happens in order to shut the kid up, mom gives him or her what they want. Which teaches them a very, very bad lesson. A child must learn that his misbehavior and temper tantrums will be surely and swiftly and sometimes even painfully dealt with. Did any of you ever have a child who liked to hold their breath? We had one. I won't tell you which one it was, but he was our youngest. And you know, I guess it's inborn. Nobody ever taught him this. But it came to a place where he started holding his breath. 
I had just gotten saved. We got into church. And there was a family lived up from us right by the church, the McCann's. And Jack and Betty were just, they had their own children. And I guess you could say they had a lot of wisdom. But my wife was there one day with Mrs. McCann, Betty. And our son decided to have one of his little temper tantrums and hold his breath. And of course, my wife was all alarmed. And Betty said, leave him alone. She said, but he's holding his breath. She said, yeah, he'll pass out and he'll start breathing again. Isn't that what she said? That's what she did. We never had that problem again. Temper tantrums. Not tolerated. We don't behave that way. You see, a person who's not learned to take no for an answer will not go through life successfully. And we're dealing with that today. Kids get everything they want. So when a no does come at work or socially, they don't know how to handle it. Blows them out of the water. I have to stop there. But I think, you see, it's so important that children listen and that parents be the parents God says they ought to be. We oftentimes have to be the bad guy. It's our job. We have to sometimes say, no, you can't have that. Sometimes we have to say, you will do this. That's our job. And the object is to teach our young people to grow up, to be good, God-loving, Christ-following people. That's what we're supposed to do. I don't have time to go there. I do want to throw this at you. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I don't have time to expound on it, but I want you to understand this. That is not a promise. Proverbs isn't full of promises. It's full of principles and precepts. I've known too many God-loving, God-following, good Christian parents who have raised their children in good Christian homes only to see those children go out into the world. 
You say, how do you explain that? Well, we can train them right. We can teach them right. But ultimately, they have to decide which way they're going. But that verse says, we train them right, we teach them right. They never forget it. They never forget it. They may be out there in the world, but they're remembering what I was taught about this, what I was taught about that. They know. They know the truth. But every man is accountable to God for their decisions. So don't necessarily look at parents who have a child who's gone off Oh, a parent must have done something wrong. Not necessarily. I hope that helps you. Father, thank you for Proverbs. Help us as parents to be what we're supposed to be. Help our children to understand discipline shows love. We pray in Jesus' name. All right, you're dismissed.